Welcome to The Struggle is Real, a podcast by Family Bridges for modern parenting. Check out this week's episode. Junior, what seems to be the problem? Of course. Well, the kids had an assignment to say what they want to be when they grow up. The other kids gave the usual doctors, firemen, but your son had an unusual answer. Well, ask him if he can send some mice next time. Snakes can't eat no dog food. <laughs> he thinks Nub Nub is one of them Westminster show dogs. Little Susan Russell just wanted to dance. Hey, what's up, YouTubers? Been working on a few moves and I thought I'd show you. But then, something amazing happened. The Struggle is Real podcast starts in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to another episode of The Struggle is Real. I'm Veronica Avila, along with Omar Ramos. Hello, Omar. Hello, everyone. Hello, ladies. And, of course, hello, Dr. Susie. Hello. Yes, we have Dr. Susie Francis, who's filling in for Dr. Alicia Laos. Thank you for joining us today. It is an honor to be here. Thanks for having me. Today, we are going to be talking about a very interesting topic. Right, Omar? Uh, that's right. Today's episode is called A Character on Display. Joining us is Andre Bui, yes. awesome, who coordinated in lieu of suspension program called called Catalyst, which provided students with social, emotional, academic, and college counseling while teaching them how to fix their mistakes through restorative justice. It, this is amazing that we have you here. Just to add to your uh, profile, he's now a counselor at St. Ignatius College Prep, helping students manage their social, emotional, academic lives. He's a speaker, blogger, and proud son, brother, husband, friend. Wow. What don't you do? <laughs> <laughs> I just have to put all my jobs out there. If I didn't, then my friends and my wife would be upset. So. <laughs> well, welcome, Andre. Thank you. Well, social media plays a major role, guys, in everyone's life today. And the question is, are we displaying our true self online? And more importantly, how does that affect our kids? That's a big one. And that's hopefully what we're going to find out today. Now, with that in mind, here's a question for all of you guys. It's an icebreaker. Mm -hmm. What social media platforms do you use and what do you usually post? Well, on this side, I kind of uh, lean into the uh, popular one right now, mm -hmm. which is uh, Instagram, obviously. I think Facebook has kind of dissipated little by little. The, the target audience that I work with is more on Instagram and Snapchat and stuff like that. So I would say those two right now, Snapchat and Instagram, mm -hmm. for sure. What kind of posts do you do? Oh, what kind of mm -hmm. posts do I do? Um, well, I think it just kind of has to do with uh, stuff that's related to my line of work, you know, like sports and stuff like that. Um, obviously, things that have to do with my daughter. I have a 12-year-old daughter. So it's, it's kind of like family stuff and sports stuff mm -hmm. and some of the music stuff that I do as well. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Andre? Yeah, so... The main platform I try to use is Facebook, and that's just because when Facebook came out, I was in college. So mm -hmm. that was the big thing, and 15 years later, I still find myself using Facebook. But as of you, I think Facebook is kind of dying off just because it's been diluted a little bit as mm -hmm. far as the content and stuff like that. But I use Facebook for a couple things. First thing, I use it to keep track of the family I have abroad. So I have a lot of family in different areas, so I use that. To, to do that. Second, I just try to engage people in some dialogue. I feel like that's something that's lacking in today's society. Like, we're not talking to each other. So, a lot of times, I'll just post some questions on there just to see what, what people will, will do or say. Sometimes people don't say anything to yeah. it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people say a lot to it, and it kind of helps me learn some things. So, uh, I did sign up for Instagram a year ago, so I am posting pictures of my dog and, you know, family <laughs> members like that. But I tried to get on the Twitter, yeah. but I couldn't do it. Like my kids, my students at the time were all on Twitter, and so I felt like I needed to get on there, but it wasn't something that I could really attach myself to. 
Dr. Susie? Uh, mine's easy. <clears throat> I was one of the unique ones of the, the one billion not on Facebook. I've never been on Facebook. And so now more are joining those of us that have not been on. <laughs> so it's interesting. Right now, the one I focus on is LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I, I It helps me just stay brief and focused on how I can help empower leaders, which is what I'm really passionate about, and keeps my private life private, even with kids. Because a lot of people have said, but you'll get to find so many people and share your pictures and Right now, to be honest, life is so full, I would rather just not make the mistakes that I work with a lot of people on undoing. So it may not be the best thing, but for me, it just helps my life stay a little simpler. Very interesting, because you also get the, the scoop from the from people who come and visit you, so you get to, <laughs> yes. to learn from their mistakes, I guess. <laughs> well, I do Facebook. I'm a mom. I'm still on Facebook. I do Facebook and I do Instagram mainly, and I think I have Snapchat for the filters with my kids. That's it. But yeah. I usually do the little videos. I save them on my phone, and then oh. I post them somewhere else, but um, I try to keep it positive and encouraging. And I know the kids, I have a freshman. I just let her get her Instagram account and I am like, uh, (laughs) so what are kids doing now? You guys, I know that both Andre and Omar deal with a lot of youth on the radio and in school. Where are they and what are they posting? What's what's that life like? Andre, if you want to kick it off. Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind is a Finsta account. Do you guys know what a Finsta account is? No. A what again? A Finsta account. A Finsta. Yeah, one of my coworkers, <laughs> one of my fellow counselors put me on this. But So a Finsta account is a fake Instagram mm-hmm. account oh, there we yes. go. that they use, that the kids use to actually show their parents that they're not doing anything that's crazy. Okay. So, you know, it's very PC, <laughs> it's very, you know, PG. And, and then, I'm sweating here. Right. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm telling all the kids secrets. But then their real Instagram account, that's where the stuff is. That's yeah. where they can really be themselves. So that's kind of what I'm seeing now with a lot of kids. <laughs> Let me take a breather here. <laughs> well, you know what? That's something I just noted down. I kind of suspected some yeah. stuff like that was mm-hmm. going on because of certain examples that I, I can't bring up right now. But I, I have noticed that kids are just like, they're starting to expose themselves in ways that I would have just never imagined. Very young kids that are just uh, wearing basically nothing sometimes mm-hmm. on, on social media. So things like that are very alarming for sure. Okay, I, I just want to keep it real that what's so sad is the kids are doing, but adults have been making these same mistakes, yes. whether it's in photographs that mm-hmm. shouldn't be shared, opinions. And I think all of us are forgetting it's permanent. Yeah. And even if you erase, it's still out there. And I, I think that's the hardest thing to teach kids is their lives are so transitional that teaching children whose brains are still developing that decisions they make today are permanent when those of us sitting here never had that when you know if you did something stupid in class it was your word against someone else's at the 20 year reunion where now they can actually pull something up to show and and that's really hard for kids yes it is it is now I, I want to share a couple of quick facts here Omar too uh, most teens say um, this is just a national study that was conducted by common sense media on teens and social media 2018 most teens say that social media makes them feel better not worse about themselves which is very interesting and we'll have more details as we go into the podcast it is said that 89% of teens use social media. Teens choose apparently Snapchat and main social media as their main social media. Uh, Instagram is next and lastly, Facebook. Mm -hmm. And now more than one in four teens say that social media is extremely or very important to them for expressing themselves creatively. Now, this is crazy. Teens apparently spend an average of nine hours a day on social media. And I have a 12-year-old daughter that I think kind of puts uh, some kind of reality to this mm-hmm. <laughs> statement here. But uh, that's just crazy. Nine hours. My goodness. Yes. It makes you stop. 
Want to breathe? Don't faint. Let's learn more. Yeah, and have a serious conversation with our kids. Yeah, Seriously. for sure. Yes. So after uh, listening to these facts, I'd like to uh, prep everybody. We got our first sketch coming up next, and I want you guys to pay attention to this. This is called Whippity Whoppity, and it sounds a little bit like this. Principal Gruber, nice to meet you. I'm Bonnie Brooks. Uh, thank you for coming in, Mrs. Brooks. Hey, Mama. Junior. What seems to be the problem? Of course. Well, the kids had an assignment to say what they want to be when they grow up. The other kids gave the usual doctors, firemen, but your son had an unusual answer. Well, I was just saying that I think one day there will be some way that all of us get connected to information. Oh, so he wants to work the newspaper like his old man. No. We'll watch the information. Like the... TV, but we can watch anything we want, not just what's on the channels, and people will watch me play games. What kind of games? Like a stadium? No, I'll be at home the whole time, in my pajamas. Like when we play Monopoly? No, games where I play a character who's in another world, and I need to destroy monsters. Mmm, so you want to be an actor. No, I'll be me. How are you going to make money just being you playing games? Well... People will send me money, and that's not all. They'll send me boxes. Boxes? People will want to watch me open them. Unboxing. Things. What's in the boxes? More games. Well, I don't see myself giving you any money after I've already given you a present. People will love it. I'll be funny or something. Whippity-whoppity. Whippity-whoppity? Yeah, I'll say something silly like that, and all my fans will love it when I say it, and then they'll say it too. It'll be a whole thing. Hmm. You see why I called you in, Mrs. Brooks? Well, I don't understand it. Do you think all of that will make you happy, son? Oh, no. I'll be miserable. Then why do it? For the... LOL. Now, what is that? Okay, and whippity-whoppity, we are back. Yes, we are. All right. (laughs) We heard uh, Mrs. Brooks being called into the principal's office with the concern that her son, Junior, had this crazy dream of what we know as a YouTube star. We got some facts here as far as that is concerned. That's right. The youngest member, check this out. The youngest member of Forbes' world's highest paid YouTube stars list for 2017 is Ryan from Ryan Toys Review. He made an estimated $11 million last Mm. year, and he's still just an element elementary school. Now, Ryan, with the help of his parents, unboxes, plays with, and reviews toys on his stunningly successful channel, which boasts over 10 million subscribers, I should say. And his family, this is where, where they keep keep it safe, his family is fiercely protective over the young star. They don't give out his surname or his home state. Hmm. Ah, a lot e- of dinero here. E- 11 <laughs> mil a year. Yeah, not yep. bad at all. So, uh, <laughs> You think? Yeah, for sure. And uh, Dr. Susie, it's definitely a lucrative business. What should parents be aware of something like this or the times that we live in where somebody that's a student, a fourth grader, fifth grader can jump into something like this? Yeah, I think it's just the newest wave of a small portion of the population who will become a celebrity and make money. So mm-hmm. for me, it's easier for parents to think through. There are certain parents 
grandparents that have literally moved to Hollywood or moved to New York City with a child this age for their opportunity on Broadway or uh, media who've made lots of money. And so I think parents need to make those same trade-off decisions. I think the only thing is that YouTube or Facebook are, are newer for us and they mm-hmm. seem easier because it seems like it's the convenience of at our home. But it's still a full-time job for that parent to make the decision to have their kid be a celebrity. And I think a parent would want to think through short-term, what is it like for their child to be this celebrity? Even if in this case, the parents are saying that they're protected the last name and the home state. I mean, the media is pretty good and there's going to be somebody who recognizes his face. Somebody is going to be able to be bought from the media on telling exactly who he is and what. I mean, even a family member could. So I think it would be naive for parents to think that they could make a celebrity out of their child and protect them fully. Mm -hmm. Um, That whatever that child does as a celebrity now, they're going to face lots of judgment, lots of ways that people will want to buy them in their opinion. But in the future, we see a lot of celebrities who face a lot of challenges as they grow up. There's always some article on so-and-so, the child celebrity, and who they become later. So I think parents really want to think through what decisions they're making now. The money is great, and and for the few that will be able to be that successful. But what does that look like long-term for their child? And, you know, I have two little ones at home. I have a, I have three kids, but two of them are, are the little ones, um, Daniela and Nathanael, who are eight and six. And I actually asked them yesterday, hey, guys, do you guys know this this Ryan kid? Is he Ryan? Oh, yeah, Ryan I'll show you right here. And then, you know, they showed me a video of the kid doing like slime or whatever. Very cute kid. He was just opening the, the gifts. He was playing with his mom. Nothing wrong with it. But how are these kids now, our kids, being influenced by YouTubers like him at this age? And then later for the teenagers, if they're spending nine hours a day on social media, Andre, what have you seen in your experience? How are these YouTube stars affecting the teens, influencing them? You know, in my psychology, or at least my education, people enjoy being connected together. We are social beings, Mm -hmm. right? And so that's how we survived. When we were first spreading out throughout the world, we survived in groups. And so we need to be social in order to survive, right? And so if you fast forward that to now, um, we still have that itch to want to be connected to other people and to want to grow our social network. The problem is, you know, with social media, even though it can be used for good, often used for evil. And I tell my kids, I like to connect social media to Hot Cheetos. You guys eat Hot Cheetos? Yeah. You guys like Hot Cheetos? Uh I love Hot Cheetos. So Hot Cheetos taste really good. And as I'm talking right now, my mouth is watering because I really love Hot Cheetos. The problem with Hot Cheetos is is that it has no nutritional value whatsoever. So you eat it, it tastes good, but then that's it. Your body can't do anything with Mm. it. And so that's the same thing with social media. Like, it gives you this allure that you're being social with people, but at the same time, there's no substance in it and you're really not being social. So then what I see with kids in the school is is that they're putting their stuff out on Instagram. They're putting their stuff out on Twitter Mm -hmm. and Snapchat. If they aren't given the same itch that we get when we're face-to-face, then there's a lot of things that link social media to depression. So, for example, if you are on Instagram, you put a really nice picture. You're You're a young lady. You put a really nice picture of yourself. You think that you're cute and then only one person likes it well then your brain is saying well people don't like my stuff I have 200 Instagram friends but I only have one person that likes my picture so I must be ugly versus if they have a friend that maybe they have 200 likes on the picture that they put 
on there, it sends a message to the brain and says, oh, well, this person must be popular. Mm -hmm. And so that person may not be popular. That person might be doing a lot of different things that are getting that likes, or maybe they have a lot of friends on there, or maybe they're pumping up their likes or whatever. But at the same time, that's not really being social. It's not really how we are supposed to connect to human beings. And I think that's the problem. And I see in my profession, a lot of kids, when they're in that situation, develop a lot of stress and anxiety just because um, they're putting their stuff out there, but they're not getting back Hmm. what they think that they should be getting back as far as the recognition of what they're putting out there. Wow. Very, very, very interesting and a, a bit alarming, Dr. Susie. Yes, it can be. I think it's really important as parents that we never forget we are our kids' gatekeepers. And it is our job and our business to know what our kids are doing. And so while it may have been a little bit easier when it was knowing their friends who ran in and out of the house, it's equally important to get on the social media, to have frequent, several times a week conversations about what are you seeing? What mm-hmm. are you doing? What are you knowing? What's What are the conversations happening? So that we understand if we see, you know, little Susie looking depressed or anxious, just like if she came home from school with real people and seemed that way, how do we develop relationships with our children enough that they can be open to us about their experience so we have teaching opportunities? Mm-hmm. And I think that even with the social media, it's just as important to have that open relationship enough that they could talk to us about, I only got one like. And mm-hmm. how do we then invite <laughs> ourselves to have a conversation about the disappointment of that, about what were they expecting when they posted? What are their motivations when posting? How can they adjust their expectations to life on every level? But I can't emphasize enough the importance of having that relationship that is far more transparent. I see a lot of parents miss that. When they finally talk to me or someone else, it's because they've gone so far down the track and now they're saying, well, now how do I talk to them about this? But it's really hard because they've never talked to their kid about anything, like how to have relationships online, how to have discipline online, how to know when to shut things off, how to not care. And so it becomes really difficult. Now, and just to uh, piggyback on what you just said, Dr. Susie, stats say that teens are more likely to say that social media has a positive effect on how they feel. What are the negative effects about stuff like that? I mean, that kids are saying that the source of their emotions is social media. I mean, that's that's pretty crazy, right? Yeah. You know, I've, I've been just thinking, I'm sorry, the statistician in me is like, I wonder how the question was asked because it can be that instant high that I know adults also will endorse that when you first send that post and you've told somebody what about themselves or you've said your opinion, yes, if, if I'm pulled in that moment, mm-hmm. yes, I'm going to feel high. But to Andre's point, then when I am not getting the likes I want or not having, do I need maybe the nine hours as I'm refeeding that potential, the hope of the next high of the next time someone responds to mm-hmm. me. And so I'm constantly looking for that next interaction. I really just wonder with the other stats of how much depression, anxiety, and other things that we're seeing that are negative, what are kids doing long term? Like when kids are experiencing depression and anxiety and they're feeling less confident, then how can we handle the the bigger picture of that? Yes. Mm-hmm. And you know what? On this same study, obviously they were saying that the teens that had no emotional issues or no wellness issues said they felt better on social media. On the other hand, though, teens who with low social emotional well-being experience more negative effects than those with the high social emotional well-being. 70% feel that they're left out or excluded when using social media. 43% have deleted social media posts because they got too few likes. 43% feel bad about themselves if no one comments or likes what you were just saying, Andre. And then 35% have been cyberbullied. Okay, so how do we start the the, the conversation? Obviously, Andre, you're, you're working with the kids in school. Doctor, you're seeing parents that 
come to you to get these counseling sessions. First, Andre, what have you seen? How are kids really affected by social media? Well, I think it's very difficult to describe it. What I see coming into my office is that kids don't even know what's going on. Like, they're unaware there's a situation. They just they just know that they feel depressed. They know that they're stressed out. As a counselor in the school, you know, I try to ask a whole bunch of questions. Why are you stressed out? What's going on here? But when it really boils down to it, mm-hmm. it's because we have replaced, a lot, a lot of kids have replaced that one-on-one time with a friend or a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a parent or a brother and sister with screen time. Mm-hmm. And that cannot replace, you cannot take screen time and replace that with face-to-face human contact. People need to be connected to each other. And and not only do they need to be connected to each other, it needs to go beyond just high and by in the hallways in school. And, I, and, and that's what I see a lot in school is that when I ask a kid, hey, who's your best friend? And they say, Jimmy. And they say, OK, well, do you go to Jimmy's house? And they'll say, no. You know, does Jimmy know your deepest, darkest secrets? And they'll say, no. I'm like, well, how can you say that Jimmy's your best friend? And they say, well, because, you know, we, you know, we communicate on social media. We Snapchat each other back and forth. And a lot of times on Snapchat, they're not even saying anything. They're just taking a picture of themselves and just sending it back and forth to each other, yep. which which is not even word communication. At least if they were texting each other, they would be at least communicating something. Now it's just, hey, I'm just going to send you a picture over and over again and hope that, you know, we kind of pass some time. So I think a lot of kids are just missing that whole, hey, you know, I'm struggling with life. Who can I talk to, whether it be a peer, whether it be a parent, whether it be a brother and sister? And they don't have that. And so they're coming to me and they don't even understand what's going on. But I can see it because I had that. You know, I was kind of in that middle section to where, yeah, we had computers, but I also had a best friend who knew what was going on with my family. And they knew my my goods and my bads because we had deep conversations Mm -hmm. face to face. Well, you just answered one of the questions that I had for you. So we're going to go ahead. (laughs) Sorry. No, that was good. That was good. Thank you for uh, expanding on that for sure. Now, we're going to go ahead and uh, jump into our next skit. This is called Picks or It Didn't Happen. Dear Sandy, what do you usually feed Nub Nub? The guy at the store told me show dogs love that food. I'm so sorry he got sick. I promise to make up for it when I finally come and visit. Counting the hours and dreaming of you in Louisiana. When we're together, they won't be weeping willows. They'll be giggling willows. Hey, Tony, we just got another message from that Felix character. (laughs) The one that's in love with you? (laughs) Yeah, that sucker that's up north that sent us that fancy dog food. Hush, Nub Nub. Well, ask him if he can send some mice next time. Snakes can't eat no dog food. (laughs) He thinks Nub Nub is one of them Westminster show dogs. What we need is some buckets for the holes in the ceiling. Hold up. He's still online. My darling Felix, Louisiana is so lonely without you. Oh, she's online. At at least it's warm. It's so cold up here in Chicago. Without you, I just bought a new winter coat, but I'd rather have your arms around me. Picks or it didn't happen. Felix just sent me a link to a coat he got. It's 400 buckaroos! Well, look at Mr. Moneybags. That coat's got goose lining and everything. We could use that for Nub Nub's cage. What a handsome coat. Bet all the girls want to pet that fuzzy hood. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Like he's got girls spending all his time online. Oh, 
all the boys must swarm you to pet Nub Nub. <laughs> yeah, if they want a snake bite. I mean, who could resist a nurse slash model with a cute dog? <laughs> Give me that keyboard. Why don't you send me some cash for nurse house? Hey, man, you can't just ask for cash. You gotta be subtle. We're playing a long game, remember? Right, right. He comes to Louisiana and we jump him. Darling, when's your vacation time again? I'm tired of waiting. I told you, sweetie, work's a madhouse lately. Oh. Hey, sweetie. Spending an awful lot of time in the computer room. Just busy looking for a job. I'm proud of you, honey. I'm going to make you some tea. Hey, honey, uh, before you go, when were you planning on visiting your sister again? All right, well, that was creepy. And then it was it, it had a twist at the end, right? Sure Goodness did. gracious. Now, we saw a lot of stuff going on in this scene. Unfortunately, many kids and adults fall into the trap of meeting the love of their life online, only to end up meeting either a scammer or a sexual predator, or in worst cases, sex traffickers. And this is real. It's closer than we think. Now, how can we help our kids be aware of the potential dangers, Andre? Well, I think it all starts with... Having, like Dr. Susie said, having a conversation with your kid and finding out what's going on. I find that a lot of parents, they don't like social media and they choose to be ignorant of it, meaning that they dislike it so much that they choose not to educate themselves about it. Now, if you're able, if you don't like social media, that's fine. But as a parent, if you have a kid in today's world, you have to educate yourself about what's going on out there. What are the new trends? So that way, when those situations do come up with your kids, you know how to address those things. When you don't educate yourself, about it and your kids know more about it than you are, then you're really setting yourself up for failure. I mean, imagine, I don't know, I can't think of an example right now, but imagine if there was a situation out there where your kids knew how to drive your car, but you didn't know how to drive your car. That would be a dangerous situation. For sure. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing with social media. You need to make sure that you educate yourself on it. And there's a lot of resources out there online, and there's a lot of resources, hopefully, in your school mm-hmm. that should be able to educate you about the new trends that are going on out there and how to address that and have that conversation with your kids. For those of you listening, you could go to familybridgesusa.org. We'll have also resources and just websites that you can visit to get more information on how to how to get yourself educated on social media so you can keep up with your kids, so we can keep up with our kids. Goodness. Yeah. And just to follow down that line, Dr. Susie, as a community, what measures can we take to help promote safety in online conversations and exchanges? Yeah, I think, again, for kids or adults, um, I go back to that transparency piece that it's important that we not have relationships online no one knows about. So whether you're an an adult or a child, if you do have relationships no one knows about, that might be a really good time to have a self-evaluation of why am I protecting this relationship? Why am I not talking to others about it? I recall a friend who did get scammed online um, by this guy that was supposedly an oil rigger, etc. And what was funny is we went to a convention, she and I together, and got to know some people. And lo and behold, there was another woman who had the exact same story. Wow. And so they were able to figure out it was the exact same wow. person that had scammed. But in both cases, both women had kept that relationship a, a secret until it got to the point of asking for money or something. And it was like, your friends can often help you say, wait a minute, that's not a healthy thing. Obviously, in the story we heard, this gentleman has other reasons for keeping a secret, but mm-hmm. he probably can't find a job if he's spending all that time having this other conversation. <laughs> so it also comes to being honest. What gratification are we getting? We 
talked about how even kids say they feel better in that social media exchange, that exchange that often is 90 percent what we're making it up in our head, not what is in the reality, since we don't know the real person on the other side. So I think the transparency and again, the education, I think Andre really has said it best of the educating our kids on the need for the real relationships to the value of spending time with your real cousins, your real family, your your real classmates and and going through the messy challenge because it is messier to get to know real people and spend real time with them. They're going to hurt our feelings and not pay as much attention. And it's work, but it's better than keeping 90 percent of what's in our imagination on a relationship through just sending pictures or, or a few words here and there and then making up the rest of the story. Right on, right on. That's what true connections and true relationships are all about. So we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> okay, well, why don't we go and listen to our last sketch of the day? This is a viral. Little Susan Russell just wanted to dance. Hey, what's up, YouTubers? Been working on a few moves, and I thought I'd show you. But then something amazing happened. You guys, that was not planned. I can't believe that butterfly just flew in and landed on my head. That was crazy. She posted her video. She ate dinner with her parents. Pass the carrots. But when she got back to the computer... Oh my god, that video has 10,000 views! Hello? Susan, you're going viral. I know, 10,000 views! Susan, refresh the page. 600,000 views! But I just posted an hour ago. She couldn't stop it. She didn't want to. Oh my god, I'm gonna be famous! But she didn't know what was coming. The butterfly dancer is crazy! We love you, butterfly girl! But how much is too much. Sorry, I'm late for school. Can I get through? I've already taken so many pictures. The butterfly dances stuck up. We hate you, butterfly girl. Her past exposed. Oh no, 2,000 comments on this picture of me with braces. I'm so embarrassed. Her parents couldn't help. What's a YouTube? Her friendships shattered. Why don't you hang out with someone else with millions of views? Michael, no, I took down the video. Yeah, well now, it's a meme. This summer, one girl takes on the world wide web. I just wanted to dance. Maybe I can be of some help. Damn, Daniel. I know a little something about going viral. What should I do? Looks like I'm back at it again with the great plans. Grandest Canyon Pictures presents Viral. Rated PG-13. All right, that sounded very interesting. No, I, I, I went on that roller coaster, that emotional roller coaster with that poor girl. Now, we heard Susan, she was dancing for her YouTube channel, I suppose, and then a butterfly flew in and bam, she went viral. So popularity exploded. People went from liking her, but then to hating her, criticizing her. And her parents, something that you mentioned, Andre, couldn't help because they didn't even know what YouTube, what YouTube, what's that YouTube? Um, now, is going viral really a goal worth seeking? And what, if any, are the positives of being a viral celebrity, Andre? You know, looking at the psychology of a teenager, being a teenager, that's your 
optimal time to build your social networks. You know, that's when in human relationships, that's when we're really trained to really dive deep into what our relationships mean. And so that's why when you go into a high school, you see all these groups of kids clicking together and they're doing all sorts of things. They're not all doing it together. They're doing it in clicks and in relationships. And there's a hierarchy and things of that nature. If you take what you see in a high school and you put it online, it's really the same thing. By going viral, you're actually exploding your social network and, and people are saying, oh, I seen this. I like this. I validate you. A lot of that stuff is taken outside of the context of the high school and shipped around the world. So everybody has seen everything that you've done. The problem is with that is, is that when the negative stuff starts to come, it's really a problem for you. At least if you do something, it used to be when I was in high school, if you did something, you fell on your face in high school, everybody in the high school may knew about it, but it stopped in the high school. Stay there for sure. Right, it stayed there. So now everybody in the world sees it. So you can't even walk out the door without somebody saying, oh, you did this that was stupid or you did this that wasn't flattering or you posted a picture that wasn't really a good look and now you've turned into a meme. I heard her say that. Oh, Mm -hmm. now you've turned into a meme. Now everybody's joking about you. So I think that that's a really huge responsibility. Now we all have the world in our pockets now or on our iPads and so with that responsibility of having the world in our pockets, we need to be super educated on what exactly that means. And I will just say from educator standpoint, we do a horrible job of educating kids on what it means to have the world in your pocket. Correct. You know, and yes. so we have to change that. And we as parents, we have to advocate that our schools and our families educate our kids on this to make sure that we fix it. It's not going away. Right. right? It's not going away. Technology yeah. is not going away. Yeah. Now, we're going to share some quick facts with you guys here. Essence O'Neill, is that what it is? Yes. Beto? Okay. Mm-hmm. Social media star in 2015 decided to quit being the social media star. Now, this is what she said. I'm quitting Instagram, YouTube, and Tumblr. Deleted over 2,000 photos here today that served no real purpose other than self-promotion. Without realizing, I've spent majority of my teenage life being addicted to social media, uh, social approval, social status, and my physical appearance. She wrote on an Instagram post uh, back in 2015. Social media, especially how I used it, isn't real. Hmm. She mentioned not being real. Talk to us about how people, including YouTubers, portray themselves online versus who they really are. Dr. Susie. Well, I think we've talked a lot about it, but we all want to put our best foot forward. Yeah. So it's just interesting to me that with it's been viral, the couple that fell off the cliff um, taking a selfie and they had gone around the world traveling, Mm -hmm. taking selfies, and then they go falling off. and, And then they posted several statistics of how many people have died taking selfies, how many kids especially are doing more and more things to get the likes and attract attention. So they're becoming daredevils they don't need to be. And it's not just kids, it's actual celebrities. One just also died doing a plane stunt. So I think the things that people are trying to do to get this quick claim to fame, as Andre put it, to have it in your pocket and have this instant reaction, which none of us have had before, is unfortunate. But I also know that it happens even with the parents. Like, how are you setting your own kids up if you're always posting the most perfect pictures, the most perfect everything, then everyone else is 
down and depressed because they think their life isn't as perfect as the next person's Mm -hmm. life. And so I think there's just a whole lot of inauthenticity that's happening with posting what we want to be, the self we would like to be or the self we would like to portray. And I think that's part of the conversation to have with our kids. What is the brand that you're hoping you're creating? And if I were to ask your closest, the people that follow you the closest, who would they say you are based on what you're putting out there versus who you are? Just really having a conversation with a teenager around some of that ownership of who I'm posting myself to be and who I am really. And then I think as parents also having that honest conversation, if I'm a stranger looking at my account, Mm -hmm. who am I on this account versus what is really happening in my life? Yes, that's that's a great conversation. Now, if we want to help our kids be that real person, we have to have this conversation. Now, you said many of us aren't having that conversation. I know kids sometimes resist Social media, me and you, like, why are we going to talk about this, mom? Uh, Yeah, no. How do we get them to talk? You know, the funny thing about, you know, being a teenager is, is that you're at that point where it's the last step before you become independent. And so knowing that a teenager, for the most part, doesn't want to hear a parent's advice is yep. part is the first step. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to understand that your your influence has diminished as a you know as your teenager is going through that stage of rebellion. And so they typically don't check back in until about twenty four. I now look at my parents as the wisdom and kings just because of the fact that everything that they said came true. And I didn't know that until I turned twenty five. But as a teenager, you don't know that. And so where are the teens influence coming from? They're coming from their peers. And so you have to play chess with your kids, meaning that you have to understand that you don't hold as much influence as their peers do. And you have to somehow manipulate that in a way to where you're kind of influence them to have peer influences that are positive, that are making good choices and things of that nature. So my parents did a smart thing. They said they would allow me to stay out with people that they felt were good people. And they didn't say, oh, this is a good person, this is a bad person, but they would allow me to stay out extra late, spend the night over their house, go out to parties with them. And people they felt were bad influences, they would just say, no, you can't go out with that person. No, you can't go out today. Your your room is messy. And so what they were doing is they were playing chess with me. They were saying that, listen, I think this person is going to lead you down the wrong path, but I know you're not going to listen to that Mm -hmm. because you're a teenager, you know? So so I have to somehow manipulate your social stand a little bit Mm -hmm. So so that you're making good choices. And then when you're 25, you come back and you'll thank me. <laughs> he says that with a smile. It's true. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> it is. It's true. That was amazing. Thank you for that breakdown for sure. Great discussion, right, guys? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Thank you both for sharing your expertise and knowledge on the subject. Andre, we would love to know where we could find more about your work, your blog, and everything that you do. Yeah. So I have a uh, website that I just created and I just started blogging on there. It's called Bowie Speaks. Dot com And so uh, if you visit me on that site, and the reason I started that blog was for not only for educators, but for parents, because people were asking me questions. And I don't necessarily think I have the answers to the situation. But as being in education for 11 years, I've sort of think I have something to share with of parents course. or in students that may be able to help them out. Yes, so visit sir. me there and then um, you can also contact me on there as well. Cool. And you can also team up with Dr. Francis because she has a lot of good stuff to say too. <laughs> yeah. Where can we find you, Dr. Susie? You can find me on thrivegroupinternational.com. That's thrivegroupinternational.com. Awesome. What's today's recap? From listening to all of what we had to share was one from the beginning. If you're a parent whose children are younger, just so you can start off right, when you do introduce 
introduce your child to their devices and to their media accounts, set clear expectations. Talk to them about when they're going to be able to have access, how they're going to be able to have access, what you expect them to be, the, the behavior you expect from them, and the fact that you will be checking in with them, whether that's transparently setting, sitting next to them. But just like if you were allowing your kid to drive your car, mm-hmm. you need to have set those expectations. You don't want the kid having to assume for themselves, and they'll do better for having those clear expectations. And it should include, your child should not go to bed with their device. Get an old school alarm clock. That is so many parents have said, but that's the way they wake up. And you can get Siri or you can get a real alarm clock. But I can't emphasize enough that discipline of putting it away and then regularly have those check-in conversations. What are you learning? What's happening? Help me as a parent. Educate me. And I remember, yes, I've been around long enough to say this. I remember 20 years ago when this was the video game conversation. Mm -hmm. And it was the same thing. You do not have to play every video game to be able to understand with your kid what are healthy and what are unhealthy. You can look up on information on the World Wide Web about what is being said about those video games. And then you can sit alongside your child and say, teach me what is happening. And as much as they don't necessarily respect us, they'll love the fact that we're curious instead of going, eh, that's your teen Mm -hmm. stuff. And then, like I said, the discipline, just helping your child learn that nine hours, my goodness, what else could be being done? What instrument could be learned? What skill could be learned? What advancement could be made? What invention are we missing out on by just simply being so self-absorbed? Let's not demonize, obviously, social media. Social media has a lot of great uses as well. But just like Andre said, let's educate ourselves and let's get those boundaries, those expectations out. Very, very important. Yes, ma'am. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode of The Struggle is Real. Remember to rate our podcast on iTunes and, of course, SoundCloud. Find additional resources at FamilyBridgesUSA.org and also stay connected with us on social media with the hashtag TheStruggleIsReal, hashtag T-S-I-R. Like always, thank you so much for joining us. I am Omar Ramos. I'm Veronica Avila. Till next time. This was The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. For more ideas on parenting, get your copy of The Struggle is Real by Drs. Paul Meyer and Alicia Laos on FamilyBridgesUSA.com.